0: Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. We could not have had a better song to lead into this passage in Jan- Daniel chapter 9 because the first two lines of our song was who else commands all the bond all the hosts of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? We're looking at King Belshazzar, son of King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 5. We're only going to read beginning in verse 22, but we'll work our way through the whole chapter. Let's read the heart of the passage as Daniel addresses King Belshazzar. But you, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that. That was written, and this is the writing on the wall. Many, many, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Heavenly Father, as we read this story from the book of Daniel, let us read it personally, knowing that our days are numbered, that we fall short, and that apart from Christ, we would be cut off from you forever. And Father, I pray that the conviction of this text would drive us to our savior who gave his life for us we pray this in jesus name amen please be seated this is the story from which we get the expression the writing on the wall or the handwriting on the wall i've always said the handwriting on the wall that sounded more ominous I looked it up, and actually people refer to it more commonly as the writing on the wall. This expression came to mind when I was watching the college national championship football game, and I was thinking Alabama's going to come back, Alabama's going to come back. I know I have a lot of Alabama fans here, and I hate to raise the sore memory, but uh, Alabama didn't come back. About halfway through the second half, I thought, you know, the handwriting's on the wall. It's over. It's an expression that says, the end is near and it's bad. This week, in uh, the things going on in the news in our state, I was just talking with someone, uh, with, with a, a group of folks about our governor, lieutenant governor, uh, attorney general. And I, I used the expression I said, I, I wonder if, if the handwriting is on the wall. And that's, oh, that's my sermon this next Sunday. It it comes up. If you've used that expression and didn't know where it came from, it comes from this text. Now, it's interesting this morning that we are in this service going to be installing Ambrose Winfrey as our pastor for Hispanic Ministries. Now, we're just going through the book of Daniel. I didn't choose this deliberately that, Ambrose, your days are numbered. You've been found wanting, and you're kingdom will be torn from you that that was that's not the application we're going for here but i would call you as you are being installed as a pastor to recognize the gospel of christ begins with our accountability before god and this is a humbling humbling message and it drives us to christ and only in christ are we lifted back up now what Happened in this text. Go back to the beginning of, of chapter 5. We see the party and the portent. A portent is an ominous sign of something bad about to happen. Beginning in verse 1 King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. Oh, They were having a party. And there's something conscious here where Belshazzar knows that he's taking these uh, goblets from the temple of the true and living God. He wasn't recognizing him as the true and living God. This is in your face, you who claim to be the true and living God. I'm taking your vessels of worship and using them in revelry towards our pagan fertility gods, our party gods. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, wood, uh, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale. And he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Now we're going to find in a moment nobody could read it. They didn't know the, the meaning and application of it. But the king knew it was bad. And it was bad for him. Why? He knows. It's, the law of God is written on our hearts. He knows he's taken the vessels from the temple of uh, Israel's God. And it's in your face, God. And then this miraculous demonstration of a hand writing on the wall, you know this is special. And you know if you're living and rebelling against God that this is probably bad for you. Now, I won't tell the whole story, but I will just remind you if you've been around for 10 years or so, you've probably heard me tell the story about how I was tricked by a neighbor And thought I was going to be killed by a wolf. And as the wolf came at me, my knees actually did buckle together and my legs gave way. And as I stumbled to the ground and that wolf pounced on me, ready to just bite my throat out and eat out my guts, I cried, God, forgive me. I wasn't ready It ended up being a prank, and I'll tell you how how my neighbor did that to me in a longer version some other time. This is the experience of Belshazzar. He knew that this was miraculous, so he knew it was a message from God. He knew his rebellion, and it scared him to death. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. Now, why did he offer this reward? It's because, generally speaking, he knew it was bad news. And the messenger that brings bad news gets killed. So he says, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to honor you. I want to know what it says. It's like, tell tell me the truth. But they, they can't make any sense of it. The queen, here we get a sense of time. Here we get a sense of how long it's been since the story we read in the last chapter about Nebuchadnezzar. I've remarked about how the book of Daniel is more a collection of short stories than it is a novel. We don't find the connector from the previous chapter where Nebuchadnezzar was humbled and and he proclaimed in the last verse, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Fast forward, we don't know how many years But the queen remembers about Daniel the prophet who addressed and interpreted dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. She's still speaking for the pagan mindset that Nebuchadnezzar talked from before he was humbled and acknowledged the true God. But she remembers Daniel. She thinks that Belshazzar is afraid just because he can't understand. It's like, don't worry, Daniel will tell you what it means. Let's see. Um, in the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him king of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, very close to the name Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar must have loved that name. It was named after his god, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding. And also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. Now, here we need to stop and, and take a lesson from this. Because Daniel's been sidelined. Belteshazzar has to be told about Daniel from the queen. He brings Daniel in, can't recognize him, says, are you Daniel? You can see how outside the circles Daniel would be. Now, get this. If I were Daniel, when Nebuchadnezzar was humbled by God, and Nebuchadnezzar came and praised the true and living God, if I had been Daniel, I thought, everything is right in this world because it was so much better for the king to acknowledge the true and living God. We can hope and pray for the things going on in this world and pray that God would be honored in them, pray that the the Nebuchadnezzars of this world would turn to God and praise God. But we should never plant our feet in the security of this world. If I had been Daniel, I would have thought, this is great. Everything's going to be fine from here on out. And then Nebuchadnezzar dies. Belshazzar comes to the throne and the world just drifts back to the way it was. As soon as we start thinking that our our land, our country honors God, we can start thinking we're secure because our country honors God. Why are we surprised when this fallen world drifts away from God? It's not the natural state for a fallen world. Our security is not in the world when it's doing right by God. Our security is in Christ alone, whether or not our world honors him or not. And we'll repeat that because that is hugely important. Our security is not when our world honors God. Our security is in Christ himself whether or not our world honors him. This is how Daniel's able to come in after all these years and address uh, Belshazzar with, you know, find his faith uh, wavering. Belshazzar goes on in verse uh, 15, I think it is. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing, tell me what it means. You'll be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck. And you'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom again. I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to honor you if you tell me what it means. Not. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to chop your head off. I love Daniel's response. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep the gifts for yourself. This isn't why Daniel, Daniel isn't interpreting it for his own reward. But he's willing to interpret God's message through these words for the king nevertheless i will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means O king the most high god gave your father nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. In other words, he was given sovereignty as king. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal, he lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them and sets them and sets over them anyone he wishes. I apologize for not having my glasses. I will try to rightly divine the words of God and interpret them for you with clarity uh, of understanding, if not of eyesight. Now, Belshazzar would have remembered that his father went through this experience, but he didn't care. He was like his father before his father was humbled. Nebuchadnezzar was saying, look at this city I have built with my own hands. It is to my glory. And Belshazzar was doing exactly the same thing. He must have thought that his father near the end of his life perhaps just Kind of went crazy. And when he honored the most high God, Belshazzar thought, that's part of his craziness. You know, it's really frustrating when our children grow up and do not uh, acknowledge God as God. And come to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to, to be Savior and Lord. And follow him. It really is disappointing. It is frustrating, but it's also disappointing if you're just sitting here in church and because your parents took you to church and you're not acknowledging the God that your parents acknowledged. You see, just because we go down in generation to generation doesn't mean that our faith... God works through covenant family. He really does, but it's not automatic. And Belshazzar was like his father before he was regenerate and just dismissed his father's faith in the end hmm. let's not be like that let's not be like that daniel goes on with belshazzar but you his son O belshazzar have not humbled yourself though you knew all this instead you have set yourself up against the lord of heaven You had the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel, parsons. The King James it says, a parson, the a, uh, the wuh, is simply and in Hebrew. Many, many, tekel, and parson. Four words. I know you're thinking, if God can preach a sermon in four words, why can't Harry be shorter in his messages? <laughs> but I remind you, nobody understood these four words. They still needed explanation. This is what these words mean. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Peres, which is the singular for the plural parson. Peres is is singular. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Now, why can everybody see that? It's because at face value, on the surface, many was simply uh, like a penny. Uh, Mina or mina was... A small, small coin. So two cents. Two cents. Tekel or shekel was a weight, a weight of gold. Again, it was a monetary term, a certain weight of gold, a shekel. And then parson was halves. So what they saw on the wall was two cents, a quarter, and halves. They could read the words, but they couldn't read the words. In in our service for installation, we're going to have our last hymn have English, Spanish, and then English and Spanish sung together for our final hymn. I can read the Spanish, I can't read the Spanish, and I don't get the meaning of it. They looked up, like two cents, a quarter, and halves, and nobody could could tell the king what that meant Daniel says many God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end the length of your days is like two cents your days are numbered tackle that weight of gold that measurement you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting And then Perez, halves, divided in half. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. The Medes and Persians are one kind of division, but the biggest division is is King Belshazzar. You're going to be cut off from your kingdom. Your kingdoms will be cut off from you. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. What do we learn from that? We learned that Belshazzar didn't learn a thing. You would think if you just heard what the message was, he would have been humbled as his father Nebuchadnezzar had been. He who had, in fear, had buckled at the knees and and his legs had given away underneath him. This is time to fall on your knees and say, Oh God, forgive me. I have defied you, but I acknowledge you. Instead, he sticks with his old plan. He's going to honor the one who can translate it because maybe he can buy his way out of this. Maybe if he honors Daniel, then Daniel can give him a a nicer message. You know, there's a stage of grief that you go through that's bargaining. Bad news has come. Something bad's about to happen. It, maybe it's a, 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 an illness or a job loss or whatever. We start scrambling in grief, bargaining. Maybe, maybe Belshazzar is just bargaining somehow by honoring Daniel. Doesn't matter. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius Mede took over the kingdom at the age of sixty-two. I asked you to be thinking about this personally, about what it would mean. Jesus applied it in such a way in his parable uh, of the rich fool so that all of us can identify with it. If we live for this world, if we live for this life, if our security is in the present things, whether they be possessions or positions or, or relations, whatever it is, if that's the bottom line that we find our value and belonging in. Jesus told the parable of the rich fool that was happy and content, had all he could want. And Jesus said, you fool. He said that God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be required of you. For Belteshazzar, that very night, he was slain. You know, our mortality is not easy to come to terms with. In two weeks, Mary and I are going to be going uh, to the, uh, I'm going to lead the memorial service for Mary's mother, my uh, mother-in-law. It's the last of of all four of our parents. In our uh, church, uh, most recently, one of our own members, our our parents had a long, full life. Their life can be cut off, interrupted, too, uh, we, Janet Newman, one of our uh, younger mothers, uh, succumbed to cancer. We don't know how many days we have. We think our security is in our possessions, our positions, our relations. But that's quicksand. We have to ask ourselves, if this very night we were to die and stand before God, where would we be? Where is our hope? Apart from Christ, we will be cut off from God. And every blessing, everything good, the eternal state of being cut off is, just, is described to us in the Bible as a place we don't want to be. We experience so many blessings from God even when we don't acknowledge them here. Belshazzar was having a party After that very night, there's no more party. Where's our hope? Do you recognize that the writing is already on the wall and the writing is completely spelled out in God's word? Our days are numbered. We have been found wanting. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And apart from Christ, what we deserve is to be cut off from God forever. But praise be to God that he didn't leave us there. He sent his son into the world to take upon himself that penalty for sin. He was cut off for our sake. He cried from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a real cry as he bore the wrath of God for our sins in our place. It was also a fulfillment of the psalm that prophesied that very same thing. Christ was crushed by a death that he swallowed. And he rose up from that dead and he shares that life with us. Are you just in church? Have you responded, if God were to to call your life to account tonight? Where would you stand before God? This is the sober message of the gospel, but it's the beginning of it because it drives us to Christ and the cross. We're going to sing a hymn that is often associated with altar calls. It's just as I am. We're not going to have an altar call because people can walk forward without their hearts being Right, I, I get that, but the church is given the outward call of the gospel, and I would call you to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to receive Him as your Savior and Lord, to be clothed in His righteousness, forgiven of your sins, so that you can be righteous, right with God, and ready for for anything that should happen in this life, to be taken to the glory of heaven and the life to come. Let's uh, pray and then sing this hymn. And I would ask anyone who, who this particularly strikes, if the Holy Spirit is at work in you, seek me out, seek Marty out, seek one of our elders out. Just seek a friend, Christian friend out and say, I really want to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can proclaim the gospel that's what you call us to do as a church but we cannot manufacture the response that is the work of your spirit and we pray that you would as we proclaim the gospel that is warning of judgment to come salvation through faith in jesus christ and hope and purpose and life in him that leads to an eternity of glory and blessedness. I pray that by your spirit, you would move in in, uh, people's hearts to draw them to faith in our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.